reading from the letter of St. James. Blessed is he who perseveres in temptation, for when he has been proven, he will receive the crown of life that he promised to those who love him. No one experiencing temptation should say, I am being tempted by God, for God is not subject to temptation to evil, and he himself tempts no one. Rather, each person is tempted when lured and enticed by his desire. Then desire conceives and brings forth sin, and when sin reaches maturity, it gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers and sisters. All good giving and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no alteration or shadow caused by change. He willed to give us birth by the word of truth, that we may be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Verbum Domini. Blessed the man you instruct, O Lord. Blessed the man whom you instruct, O Lord, whom by your law you teach, giving him rest from evil days. For the Lord will not cast off his people, nor abandon his inheritance. But judgment shall again be with justice, and all the upright of heart shall follow it. When I say, my foot is slipping, your mercy, O Lord, sustains me. When cares abound within me, your comfort gladdens my soul. Dominus Vobiscum, Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Marcum, 
The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the, lo- in the boat. Jesus enjoined them, watch out, guard against the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They concluded among themselves that it was because they had no bread. When he became aware of this, he said to them, why do you conclude that it is because you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or comprehend? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes and not see, ears and not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves of the 5,000, how many wicker baskets full of fragments you picked up? They answered him, 12. When I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many full baskets of fragments did you pick up? They answered him, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? Today, Jesus warns his disciples to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. And this episode takes place shortly after Jesus performs the sign of feeding 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread and a few fish. And so it should have been fresh in the minds of the disciples. And in the gospel reading yesterday, the Pharisees demand a sign from Jesus, even though Jesus had been performing all sorts of miraculous healings and signs all along. And the Pharisees demand for this sign from Jesus, not out of a desire to believe, but out of a spirit of skepticism. Their hearts are not open to the Lord and to his merciful works among his people. On the contrary, they are hardened towards the Lord. And even if Jesus had capitulated to their their demand and had given them a sign, they would have likely dismissed it as an optical illusion or had given some other excuse not to believe. They had no interest in believing in Jesus. And immediately following his encounter with the Pharisees, Jesus warns his disciples about the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. The disciples mistakenly misunderstand Jesus to mean that he was calling them out for having no bread. And Jesus suggests that their lack of understanding is due to their hardness of heart. Their obtuseness appears to be rooted in short-term memory loss. Jesus is clearly trying to teach them a spiritual lesson, and yet they cannot even stop thinking about their stomachs. And since the disciples had literally just witnessed Jesus perform a miracle, feeding thousands of people, then their lack of food should not be a primary concern for them. They should realize that it is not ordinary perishable food that ultimately satisfies them, but the bread of life himself, who is standing before them. He is the one who provides them with everything they need for both their material and their spiritual well-being. But what does Jesus mean by the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod? The Gospel of Matthew tells us that Jesus' disciples understood leaven 
to mean the teaching of the Pharisees. However, Mark does not include this interpretation in his gospel. It appears that Mark has a different understanding of leaven than Matthew, based on the context. In Matthew's gospel, when Jesus warns the disciples against the leaven of the Pharisees, it is not suggested that the disciples lack understanding because they have hardened their hearts. Only Mark includes this detail. It is possible that since Mark was a companion of St. Paul during his missionary journeys, that he would have been more directly influenced by Paul's teaching. In both the letter to the Galatians and the first letter to the Corinthians, Paul uses the same expression in both places. A little leaven leavens the dough. In Galatians, the, <clears throat> the leaven seems to refer to bad teaching, whereas in 1 Corinthians, leaven pertains to sin. And since Paul had previously been a zealous Jew, he would have been very familiar with the law of Moses, especially the regulations concerning unleavened bread during certain feasts throughout the year. At certain times of the year, the Jews were barred from using leaven in their bread and were even required to get rid of all leaven in their homes. For the Jews, the leaven had taken on the significance of sin. The removal of all leaven from the homes, from their homes, was a reminder to eliminate all sin from their lives. This does not mean that leaven is a bad thing in itself. It has a very good purpose in allowing dough to rise for the sake of easier consumption. If the leaven used in bread is of good quality, then the resulting bread will also be good. However, if the leaven of sin is allowed to penetrate into one's heart, to sink in, and to begin to add the corruption of sin to our hearts, then the bread will turn out to be moldy and corrupt. Only a little bit of the leaven of sin, if left unchecked, can have a terrible corrupting effect on a person. And if we allow the evil one to sow the leaven of sin, especially the seven deadly sins of pride, anger, envy, lust, avarice, gluttony, and sloth, and we do not turn our hearts away from these sins, then we risk hardening our hearts towards the light of God's grace, his mercy, and his goodness. And as the Jews were required to beware of any leaven in their homes at specific times of the year, so Jesus is warning his disciples against allowing the wrong type of leaven in their hearts. If we find ourselves tempted towards any of these sinful behaviors or attitudes, then we need the help of God's grace to avoid them. And it's appropriate that we have this gospel reading today as we prepare to enter the season of Lent tomorrow. The Catechism teaches in paragraph 540, by the solemn 40 days of Lent, the church unites herself each year to the mystery of Jesus in the desert. Jesus goes out into the desert and is tempted by Satan so that he might give us the means to fight against temptation. Satan comes to tempt us when we are vulnerable. That is, when we are forgetful of God's word, his commandments, and his marvelous works throughout salvation history.
Jesus does not attempt to engage in rational argumentation with the evil one, but simply reminds him of the words of Scripture. And if we keep the word of the Lord in our hearts, meditate upon his word daily, and remain close to the Lord through our works of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, then neither the, temptation of the temptations of the devil nor those of the flesh or the world will have any enduring damaging effect upon us. We should always call to mind God's wonderful works and his great mercy towards his people. It happens that even those dedicated to him tend to fall into sin due to weakness. And yet we have a compassionate, merciful God who is ready to forgive us and to restore us to grace if we have fallen into serious sin. There is no sin that is beyond his capacity to forgive. It is only when we harden our hearts that God's healing grace has no effect. And thus it is essential that we allow the Lord to remake our hearts into his own merciful heart. This necessarily entails a change of mind and heart, a letting go of our own ideas that are contrary to the teaching of the Lord and of his church. And our Holy Father, Pope Francis, has commented on this passage saying, let us ask for the grace to have a heart that is not ideological and therefore hardened, but open and compassionate in the face of what is happening in the world because by this we will be judged on the day of judgment, not by our ideas or ideologies. I was hungry, you fed me. I've been in prison, you've come to see me. I was afflicted and you consoled me. It's written in the gospel, and this is compassion. This is the non-hardness of heart. And humility, the memory of our roots and our salvation, will help us to preserve it. Every one of us has something that has hardened within our hearts. Let us remember that and let the Lord give us a righteous and sincere heart where the Lord lives. The Lord cannot enter hard hearts. The Lord cannot enter ideological hearts. The Lord enters only the hearts that are like his heart. Compassionate hearts, hearts that have compassion, open hearts. Let the Lord give us this grace.